This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official BG shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for episode 92 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh, and we are sponsored by Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy. You can find them on Twitter at WWAdultHockey. Uh, they are going to be having a camp in Shelton, Connecticut on April 26th to April 29th of this month. And then uh, you can schedule ahead and uh, give them a call And when they're going to be in the Boston area from... Uh, June seventh to June tenth, and you can call them at eight one four six three six seven three two thousand and uh, talk to them. Get uh, get a feel about what they do, how they work, what the camp's all about. There's nothing wrong with uh, finding more information about what these guys do, and it's a fantastic thing. So I highly recommend it. So we need to talk some Bruins hockey. We are in the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, round one. The series is now three to two in Boston's favor. Um, welcome back, Court. Welcome back, Rob. How are we doing? I'm all good. Nice, Mr. Court. I'm good. I know. I, I wanted it to end, but you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> I know. I know. I did too. Uh, I was hoping for the best, but uh, let's talk about last week's games. Uh, Monday, April sixteenth. Uh, tough one. Uh, the last show we had, we we recorded, and it was the series was up two to nothing, and looking good. But on Monday, the Bruins kind of fell a little flat. Um, they lose four to two, um, and then Thursday, April nineteenth, they come out with a big win, their third of the, of the series, uh, and and then last night's game, which was uh, a little bit troublesome, but. 
Um, it is what it is. Losing at home is never good, but when you're up 3-2 to two and you can close out a series. And I really did want that to happen, Court, because I wanted you to wear that Bruins jersey proudly in Toronto. Well, I'll still wear it proudly. I yeah. to do it oh, yeah. it's, just, it's the annoyance that I face. <laughs> but hopefully we'll get your chances to do that um, within the next uh, tomorrow because the schedule is slated to be tomorrow in game uh, tomorrow in Toronto for game six and then obviously um there's I'm sorry yeah Monday and no, it's tomorrow yeah 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 Monday and I, I this stupid computer I don't know when the next day is is it gonna be Wednesday I think it is Wednesday okay the final day. But I think it's the last day of round one yeah it's Wednesday and then Thursday is the beginning of round two, if I'm not mistaken. So, so. it's kind of a uh, roller coaster game. Uh, they, the, it just seemed, to, in my opinion, the Bruins didn't exactly show up um, until later in the game when it was like desperation time. But, you know, they did show that they have the fight to come back, but they just couldn't put it all away. So. And going back, going into Toronto tomorrow night is not going to be an easy thing. Even though the Bruins did do a, a had a great game the last time they were in at their barn, so I just want to see it over. I, I don't know about great game. Just no, I mean Tuka, Tuka played good. And yeah, they won. Exactly. Um, I want to win it in Toronto, though. I love winning away from home. That's the best feeling. Especially in the playoffs. So, what do you guys think about the series? Is it still? I mean, the Bruins have two chances to get it done, ultimately. So, yeah, I think they'll get it done. I think the reason for the slip up last night was the change in change of the lines, and the Bruins didn't do anything to counter that. They kind of just. Rolled out the same lines, no new players coming in. I would have liked to have seen like Wingles come in for Heinen, maybe. Um, and I know there's the whole if it's not broke, don't fix it thing, but if a team changes the lineup that much, you kind of want to see a little change from your team. So, well, I, I, I have a feeling that a change is coming next game. I think probably Heinen's the guy coming out if anyone does so. big question it, it's just I don't know everybody keeps saying Heinen Why, what is Heinen doing that is bad it's just my question think, Like it seems that think... from Marshan's article that was posted in the Players Tribune yeah. Heinen seems to be like a key component on this team according to the players and coaching staff uh, he yeah. mentioned him and Grizz as some of the standout guys from this year I, I, I don't see Donato coming in this lineup because he just doesn't fit anywhere. Um, it's just, if we look at the games we've lost, the one thing on every time we've lost against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the one line that's been absolutely horse poop is the first line. Yeah. Like, yeah. not even a little bit. Like, really bad. Like, every goal is scored when they're on the ice. Bad. It's just one thing. Like I, Heinen actually, you know, has been playing very well. So I and I, I I'm not disagreeing with you, Rob, because everybody's opinion is different. But it just it's 
he seems to be the guy that everybody right away is like, well, I guess Heinen's got to come on the lineup. I think Bacchus has scored two power play goals, but five on five, he's been invisible. He made that great play last night where off the face off him and DeBrusque were out there and Polak started messing around with DeBrusque and he switched up and he showed leadership on the ice. But, you know, if anybody was going to get taken out of the lineup, in my opinion, for poor play so far, it would be McAvoy. Oh, but you're not taking him out of the lineup. He's, he's no. unbelievable. But he has been playing absolute oof, some bad hockey. Well, to be fair, from that game last night especially, Chara didn't do a great job of helping him out. Because nope. I know on two of the goals that they were out there for, Chara tried to switch sides for some reason on the blue line. Like, tried to take McAvoy's guy and let McAvoy sit back. But I'm pretty sure that McAvoy is the guy who's known for stepping up on guys on the blue line. And Chara is better uh, better to be the guy that's on the two-on-one than McAvoy is. I'd rather have him back than McAvoy. So, it, it that game was just weird. Like, it felt really weird from start to finish. Um, the fourth line showed up, though. Really played well. Um, I just... The only reason I think that Heinen comes out is I don't think you can sit a guy like Bacchus, uh, especially in like a game-winning, series-winning situation. Um, And then I think you take Heinen out, uh, you move Rick Nash down to the third line, put him on the left wing in Heinen's spot, and then you bring a guy like Wingles in and put him on Krejci's side. And let him bang bodies and see if that does anything at all. But it that's just that's just me rambling though. I, I don't know if anything will happen. I don't know if they'll change anything up because, like a lot of them said, why change something if it's worked so well all, all season? So, and the reason we're at this position is because guys like Heinen stepped up during the regular season. So. Who's to say he won't do it again? Yeah, and, and, and lately for me, is I'm reading that the this narrative of um, the Bruins win when Wingles is in. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not totally buying into that, but, I mean, what, I mean, he does bring an element of of uh, aggressiveness and, and, and a checking style to the game, but I, I just don't see why... It's because, How many games has he played this series? Right, exactly. You know, I mean, one. We're we're being superstition. Yeah, like he's a good hockey player. I just think Hyman's better. Yeah, that's yeah. just my opinion. Like you know, it's ultimately up to uh, to Butch and what he decides. You know, uh, I I was actually impressed with uh, an article from uh, Matt Kalman and also DJ um, Bean also mentioned it today as well, and I didn't really notice it. Because um, I was maybe more stressed watching the game, but you know, for the first time ever, Cassidy kind of made a mistake last night too. Yeah, he I read. started not. Yeah, he started not caring about. Well, not I shouldn't say not caring because that's the wrong word. Because he obviously cared. He just stopped with the the matchup. Yeah, the strategy. Yeah, and he took away Chara and 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 Mac- and, and look what happened. Two yeah. goals scored within sac- with pretty much within minutes of each other. Um, coincidentally, Bergeron line on again. Um, and. Uh, uh, the Bruins Network. He uh, he put a he put a, a tweet out with the the picture of the the four goals. I think it was him. No, it was Bruins stats. Sorry, and he showed how where the defense were on all four goals. Like I thought, the Bozak goal, that was the pretty much the 
the straw that broke the camel's back with with Cassidy. He gave him a little bit more leeway, but that goal was bad. Like yeah. Tuca should have had it. But the first two goals, those defensive breakdowns, like McAvoy got bur- burned on that second one so badly. Yeah. Like, like it just shouldn't happen. You know, it's it's just the way you look at it, and you look at the pictures. Like if any of our listeners go follow, go on Twitter and look at these pictures. Like look now, it's it's crazy how bad the defense, how bad. Not even the defense, even the forwards were just clumped up and like Tuka's just left alone all by himself. Hey, the guy can't stop everything. I'm not saying he had a good game in any way, shape, or form because he didn't. But the defense had a really bad game last night. Yeah. But also, on the, I think it was the the first goal, was that the stretch pass down the middle and the guy just like broke through? Um, yeah, I'm I'm tired of stretch passes, but yes. Yeah, definitely. if you if you look at the forwards, they just they look like they've had enough of that shift. Like they look like they just wanted to turn around and change out, and they need to. They've done such a good job all series of cutting those passes out and stopping the defense from making any type of pass like that. But that game, they just they didn't look like they were doing the job in the neutral zone at all. Yeah, like I said to somebody, like you know, the Bruins outplayed the Leafs in game game three and uh, just couldn't score, and the Leafs won the game because Anderson made some key saves. The Leafs outplayed the Bruins in game uh, in game four, but the Bruins won the game. Yeah, and then last night, as as Mark alluded to, they played one period of hockey, yeah. maybe five minutes five minutes at the end of the second. Sorry, I should say that, but. If you really look at it, the special teams lost them the game. They could have won that game. They could have had that comeback game all over again. I thought for sure when we had the five on three, I'm like, all right, here we go. It's over. Nope. Yeah, not even close. Is that the five on three where Martian hit the pad instead of going high on his shot? Yeah, like I'm I'm getting to the point of these missed shots and just like... I don't don't even know what to do anymore. (laughs) That one, though, I thought for sure on a five-on-three, you you catch that pass and wait. Like, you don't just one-time it and hope for the best. But people are saying this thing about Wingles being in. So I think Wingles only played the one game. Oh, I got one better. When the first line doesn't get a point, they don't win the game. Yeah. Plain and simple. It just sucks, man. Like, if you look at it, like, it's the first time Rask has ever been pulled in the playoffs. They had 20 shots in the third period alone. 90 shot, shots attempts in the game, but 20 shots in the third period alone. Come on, guys. Why, where was that in the other two periods? It's like the they got down. The, the, the Leafs scored that first goal, and they looked – it's just like they just started watching for some reason. Like Austin Matthews has not been Austin Matthews. It shouldn't even matter about him anymore. Yeah, but they, they have a, a multiple – they have multiple uh, characters on that on that bench – that make up for the, for the the shutdown of Austin Matthews and, and his line, but you still have to be engaged in every situation, and it just seems like last night's game is a perfect example of the Toronto Maple Leafs exposing uh, some very bad Bruins weaknesses, and and that's concerning for me moving forward with two games to go in this series. Um, I hope uh, I hope Bruce has something to say, like. Um, in these practices, there was no practice today. It was an optional skate, but, you but know. Rick Nash did skate. Yeah, good for him. Like 
I, I still say I, I, it doesn't matter. I say the same about McAvoy right now. I'm, I'm McAvoy's still hurt. He's playing his playoffs. I get it. And I still think Rick Nash is still hurt. Yeah. I think he's still feeling like look look at me. I'm just feeling good now. It's been almost four months. I could have played hockey a couple months ago, but to be perfectly honest with you, even when I met you in Boston, Mark, I still felt like crap. Right. I felt like I could do things, but I still didn't feel myself. I literally just in the last week and a half started feeling like myself again. Oh, that's good concussions to know. Are, concussions are no joke. So the fact that he's skating is Rick Nash is trying to, to, to be better, which is great. It's, I don't feel – it's weird. I did not have a good feeling going into last night's game. And for Monday's game, I don't see us losing the game. I really don't. I can call my shot. We're winning this game. Nice. I really do feel that way. I think, you know, and if you look at the history of Tuca, he, if he has a, a poo game, he does come back and have a strong one. And if you look at the goaltenders in this series, they've done it. One goalie has a good game. One goalie has a bad game. Well, actually, Anderson had two really bad games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's but been. You know what? In Toronto media, they're not bashing Anderson. No. Just like the Boo Birds came out within seconds of Tuca's game last night that he's, oh, you know, Captain, Captain Joe Haggerty himself. Right away, Tuca's not good enough again. I'm just like, oh, for God's sakes. But the thing is, like, I don't know if any of you guys follow Steve Dangle much, um, but he was saying when the Leafs lost, like every game the Leafs lost, he was saying, you don't blame one player. No, it's a team uh, game. Yeah, it's a team game. And if they lose, they lose as a team. And last night was a perfect example of that with the Bruins because that was a team losing effort, definitely because it's not all on one guy. And I know no one's going to bash on Bergeron or that top line, but they didn't. They should. They yeah. should. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's funny. We, we let, I, I do it myself. I let them get away with everything. I, I feel like they can do no wrong, but when they don't show up, we lose the game. It's it's plain and simple. It's not even a little bit. It's not a little it's, it's crazy. Speaking of that first line, and, and, and notably – Patrice Bergeron, um, he doesn't look like he's a hundred percent at all, and and I'm kind of wondering if that's affecting. It, it obviously is affecting the, the other two members of that line, uh, Brad Marchand and and uh, David Pasternak. Not not Pasternak as much because you know he is leading the team with 11 points in five games and having a tr- tr- yeah a tremendous playoff season uh, postseason, but um. I mean, we we know Bergeron's a, an animal, and the guy played with a punctured lung, a broken ribbon, and and something else one year. So we we, we don't judge his heart, but if I don't know, I, I would rather see a ninety percent Bergeron than a seventy five percent Bergeron on any other day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's just you can you you definitely see that he's just not. All fully engaged in, in most plays, and it seems like he's he's hindered in, in, in others. So I just hope that they get back together and uh, try to do the best they can to get this series over. Because, you know, Tampa Bay, they won yesterday afternoon, and now they're going to be a fully rested team. So if the Bruins do come out and win either tomorrow <clears throat> night or Game 7 on Wednesday, 
you get that rest factor because you know the second round's not going to be a few days away. It's gonna it's gonna jump right in. So we don't know the sometimes schedule. rest can be bad though. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that too. And I've and seen Tampa it. did play a, a lesser team. I think the Bruins would have beat done the exact same thing the New Jersey Devils is. And in fact, I think the Bruins would have swept the Devils because I think the Bruins match up better against the Lightning than they do the Leafs. Yeah. So, hopefully, Bergie gets better. Hopefully, they have a you know a nice. I mean, I know a couple of guys went out there and skated today. Um, no goaltenders were on the ice today. Uh, Kyle Kieser was uh, at practice taking pucks. So, um, so I got to talk about the officiating in this in this in this series, and and not only that, but other places in the NHL during these playoffs, and it's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. Um, I I don't. <laughs> something's got to happen, and and I know it's not going to be a, a quick fix over the off season. But I mean, these guys have got to do something to tighten up these calls because it's just absolutely ridiculous. In uh, and, and and in particularly, I want to go back to the game that Riley Nash got that penalty, the delay a game penalty. I mean, if you look frame by frame, it hit the glass. Mm-hmm. And why did they guess? Why did they guess about it? And, and you know what I mean? It's just like they had their little powwow. They called it tipped, and then after a couple of minutes, now it's now it's a uh, delay a game penalty. So I just don't understand that. Yeah, but why is that also a non? Like you, you can't review that. Like you can't coaches challenge a penalty. Like, but then you're getting in. You're getting into a lot of coaches challenge. A lot oh, of. Yeah slowing down the game but uh, once again uh, i believe it was bruin stats he sent out a tweet during that the refs looking right at it it happened right it's the way when we look at it really fast it looks at the ref ducking but he's looking right at it so i i agree with mark i don't understand but then again i'll be the first one to say marshan was offside in the first goal of the series yeah yeah offside so so that equals out yeah fine oh yeah fine we equal out but yeah the refing has been suspect to say the least you're not like last night when they just started calling penalty after penalty in Boston, I'll I'll be the first. The, the one Nash Nash just dropped his stick, and he got he got the call. But that's you know a veteran getting the call for himself. But it's been weird the things they don't call and do call. It's like the 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 ones that uh, you know could injure. I don't know if you guys saw it. Kadri uh, cross checked Jake DeBrusque in the face last night. Yeah. Um, DeBrusque hit him, and then Kadri turned around and pulled it. I'll say it. Pulled a Marchand, got dirty and took tried to be stupid and be selfish. Because when you really think about it, he should have got a penalty for it. He didn't. So, I don't know. I, I felt like it was typical, just like Marshan, like a lot of Leaf fans right now and here in Toronto, they're all, oh, Marshan. Anytime Kadri does anything or anything happens, they're like, well, what about Marshan? Well, you know what? They have a guy just as bad right now that takes selfish, stupid penalties. Yeah, yeah but at least I, when Marshan's had a, like, disciplinary or been suspended... He said, "That's my fault." Correct. And I've hurt the team. What did Kadri say? Oh, he said, I, don't, he, he, "I don't think I should have got a three-game penalty." Correct. Uh, yeah. Instead of taking notice. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, "That's a bad call by the NHL." Okay. Right. Take ownership for the crap that you did, because <laughs> that was a disgusting hit that could have really, really injured a guy. Whoa. We lost the game last night. If I go on my Facebook right now, all my friends are complaining about the refs. They won. The Leaf fans, they won the game. 
Yeah, but at and the they same just time, won't shut up. At the same time, I've seen it when the Bruins have won, and I've seen people calling out the officiating and everything. It it happens in every team, but mm-hmm. I think it's just more heated when it's Bruins Leafs, because that is probably the biggest rivalry we'll ever have. That in Montreal. Yeah. And yeah, for me, like I, you guys know, I hate the Leafs more than the Habs. Yeah, well, I, I think everyone hates the Leafs more than the Habs now because the Habs are nothing. Yeah, like, we're going to have to get used to this. This is going to happen every playoffs now. We're going to have to play these guys. The way this structure is, the fact that we have to play Tampa, like the top three teams are going to have to play each other in the first two rounds. Yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah, well, I, I'm also hearing that the this particular playoff structure – is involved uh, for this season and next, and they're going to be talk- talking about going back to just the simple 1-8 and forget about the wild card. When Seattle comes in? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. So I, I, I'd i rather go by, like that because it just this whole structure right now just seems to cater to certain matchups. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and it's I just... I just want to go back to the way it was when you know you were the eighth seed, you played the first, and I mean the whole wild card thing to me it just reminds me of football, and and it works for them, but it just doesn't work for to me in hockey. So hopefully they restructure it, go back to the simple ways. Um, but regardless, the, the the Bruins are in the playoffs and the second you know, second time in in a consecutive season, and hopefully they can make that. Um, Second round appearance because that would be huge for me and the organization moving forward. But like uh, I said, I honestly have no doubt. It sounds weird. I, I'm never really this confident. I don't see them losing next game. Like I just, I look at it this way. And correctly, I could be wrong, but when does Bergeron and them have that many bad games in a row? No, it's they have is, one. They'll have one. It's right, not two. To me, this is an organization. To me, this is an organization that when they go down, if it's a goal or a game, they seem to rally up, get everybody together, whether it be a yelling session or, or a, 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 a calm talk. But it seems like the next game, there's a lot of things that are, are, are fixed and, and addressed. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this is what, the, you know, this today and tomorrow morning, they just kind of get that that energy built up, dig down deep and, and get this win and, and, and close out the series. But it remains to be seen. And I, I'm, I'm hoping they do it. I said that, I said that this series is going to go to seven, but I'd rather see it done tomorrow. Get it done and over with, get your adequate rest, whether it be a day or three days and prepare for a, a really exciting, eventful uh, series against, a, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning that are going to be ready and they're going to bring it. So, well, if you look at it, the Bruins are first in power play percentage right now. Couldn't wouldn't have told that if you watched last night's game. Exactly. But they're they're the thirteenth in the playoffs right now for penalty kill. That's ah, poo poo. Mm. Traditionally, the Bruins are a very good penalty killing team, mm-hmm. one of the best in the league, and we definitely needed that in the playoffs. Yeah, and they've been terrible. And it's all, it's like weird. It's like they're bunching up a lot. But you know what? You know, it's easy for me to say, you know, I don't, I'm not playing. Right. It's a different game. So I'll have to, you know, you look for bright spots and Rob already said it. That fourth line has been phenomenal. 
and so is Jake DeBrusque. There's my there's my highlights. That kid. Oh, just... For every game, for consistency, like you know, I, I know Pasta's you know leading and doing all this stuff, but those the, that line and Jake DeBrusque have been phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about and and this this is one I really like and because it really caters to all the haters out there and um and how some the narrative of of Rask is throws everybody under the bus. Well. How about last night's interview after after the game when he pretty much blamed himself uh, for that loss last night, and it, whether it be deservingly so or not, you know he he said that he had to be better. Uh, he's got to be better prepared and everything like that, which to me just throws out the leadership of of a particular player like himself. Yeah, and I think if he was. A forward or a D man, he'd be wearing an A on his sweater. Um, I, I think he knows exactly when something's gone wrong in his game, and we know he calls out other guys when they have bad games, uh, especially if it affects him. So the thing, the thing with Tuka is he's always going to get hit because of his contract. If that guy was on four million a year, no one would hit him. Right. Oh no, no, no! The fans around here. Some, sorry, not the some fans. Still, would hate. yeah, but I just think the main thing is money. Like with David Krejci, I don't think anyone would complain if that guy was on four and a half mil, five mil. Same thing with Chris Kelly when he was on his four million. Um, it, I think the Bruins are the main team in the NHL where they actually bother about the salary cap as much as anything. Like you saw Tampa fans saying, pay whatever it takes to get Stan Coles back. You you see everyone in the Islanders franchise say, pay whatever it takes to get Tavares back. But if Bergeron was on a new contract and then people were saying, oh, you're looking at 11 million for a guy like Bergeron. Fans would be like, ah, oh, no, no, just say goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the money here is much more a big deal than anywhere else in the NHL. So, and like we keep alluding to, you got some big contracts coming up, so that's going to make it even more fun. Oh yeah, this this off season is is I don't want to rush it, but uh, I also you can't deny the fact that. You know, whether it be this off season or the next, this Bruins team is going to have to shell out some dollars. Um, and can you imagine when Carlo makes a little mistake and he's on like four million? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, people are going to lose exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, you, I I think Carlo's is going to become the new Tukarask after this season. I really do. I think there'll still be an amazing amount of hate for Tukarask, but I think a lot of stuff's going to fall on Carlo. And believe you me, they're gonna resign him. They're not gonna let him walk. Right. Well, no, they're not gonna let him walk. Oh no, but I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, maybe they'll just let's um, they'll just sign him to a RFA contract and then let someone offer sheet him." I Ugh. don't think so. Oh, um, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just all alone on this one. But have you seen? This defense doesn't look half the same as as it does when when he's in the lineup. One hundred percent, the penalty kill has been terrible. Yeah, 
I'm sorry. He's one of our best penalty killers, and I've been saying it all year. He always is one of our best penalty killers. Yep. It's not going to change. No, and, and you can definitely tell that with, with the with the penalty kill numbers and 13th in the playoffs. Yeah, that's 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 telling you something that you're missing valuable pieces or a valuable piece. Yeah, like, well, Carlo No, Carlo doesn't suck, actually. He's a defensive defenseman. God forbid you have one. Right. Like, it's it's funny. Like, you know, Tuca said, what, what did he say after the game? He said, even I would I could have probably stopped some of those pucks better with my eyes closed. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. But when you think about it, I'm just like, you know what? He's, he's just standing up for the rest of his teammates because he knows they all played a bad game. It was a team bad game. Yeah. Plain and simple. The team played like poop. And the way this organization is when it comes down to air quote here that you're calling out or throwing players under the bus. And, and, and I remember Bruce Cassidy saying this earlier this season that when and I think it was the beginning of the season when the team was not doing well at all, that when when people when the players talk to media, there's like a little discussion about what goes on and what's being said to the media before it's even said. So if Tuka Rask has anything to say about his players, he's already done it in front of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get this whole narrative of, of him put, play, you know talking down to uh, fellow players or this and that. It's just that's, that's, this is not the type of organization that does that. This is not a high school hockey team. This is a class, class A NHL franchise, and they do things by the book. And they, that's how they support if, if stuff like that happened all the time, you would not get chemistry. You would not get support as this team is seeing right now under the under the tutelage of uh, Bruce Cassidy and, and fellow coaching staff. So I, I just don't I don't get it sometimes. But in, in good news, Krejci leads all active players with uh, 81 points, seventh all-time with Bruins playoffs. You know, um, Tuca moved up on uh, – He's third all-time in playoff wins with the win the other night. Just trying to get some, you know, positives. And then, yep. you know, Pasto with the most points in the first four games ever in the history of the Bruins in the playoffs. Yeah, that's he's just absolutely dominating. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, I, I've never seen a player like this, um, especially at his age and, you know, young. I think he's, what, 22? Um, just control control a series offensively and and that's totally an individual effort i know he's he's got uh supporting teammates that help him get to that but when you look at his numbers he's very you know as an individual standing out in my opinion yeah and he's matured a lot as well absolutely look at his interviews recently and then that video that was on before the game last night did you guys get to to watch it on your feed no I did not oh, get to see that, but I so heard. I, I retweeted it. It's Sportsnet did it. It's phenomenal. I will check it out as soon as we're done with this, and I get some. Yeah, pizza. it's it's good. You get to. I found out. You know, his dad died when he was young. Just makes you like the guy more. I'm telling you. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely becoming one of the the more popular players in Boston, and and I tell you, the future looks bright. That that deal that he signed before the the season started. What a friendly, friendly contract. Yeah, can't get mad at that contract. No way. No way. Even if he has a bad season, I'm still not going to call him out on that. You know, and you can't. And I just stop with the contract talk. I mean, it's almost like everybody, every fan had something to do with the negotiations. You know, if you're not in the room. 
you know what? We're not going to appease everybody. They're all going to have their reason. They're all going to say, well, it's because I pay this, I pay that. You know what? Yeah, well, we get that. I'll be the first to say I'm pro player. I'm, I'm never going to be pro fan. So guess what? I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm always going to stick up for the player. It's just the way I am. All right, boys. I think that's going to be do- it for the, the this. Uh... We're going to let's let's call who. What's the score going to be, Mark? I'm going to say five to three Bruins. Rob, nine to one Bruins. Ooh, no, down, <laughs> down. No, 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 no. Uh, we obviously are scoring the first goal, right? Because the first goal wins the game. Yes, uh, and it's going to be pasta. Hmm. I'm going to say. Four three in overtime. Who gets the overtime winner? Mister Marshand. Who else? Nice, Mister Overtime. Guy. Well, it's not three on three though, so it might not be Marshand. <laughs> but I'm gonna take him anyway. Well, no, if it's against the Leafs in overtime, isn't it got to be Bergeron? Oh, 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 yeah. Putting us Get all on the spot there. now. <laughs> That's why Court went last. <laughs> well, it's just, I just I find it, it is crazy that the first team that scores the goal wins the game yeah. so far. Yeah. I, I think it's nuts. Yep. No, that's um, a good. Did anyone see the Morgan Riley thing saying that they're over the curse of Game Seven? Yeah, we'll see. Who says that before the series is over? So that He's that such an idiot. that just makes oh. the Bergeron winner in overtime that much oh, better. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I'm taking Bergeron in OT just for the, <laughs> just for the hell of it because it'll be so funny if it happens. Though, that's I've awesome. got th- I'm going to go three-one Bruins. Nice. No overtime. No. No, I, I don't. I don't need that. I don't need much. that extra stress. <laughs> I don't need that. You can take can you your overtime. Shove was it. it um, was it Vegas that went to triple overtime the other week? Oh, that. Uh, that's how, how is that? You know, I know we're not talking Bruins here, but Jonathan Quick plays the playoffs of the century and doesn't even win. Yeah. Oh right. my god! Like, I know Mark's a huge Quick fan, but I'm a big Quick fan as well, and. He had like one of the best save percentages, one of the best goals against averages. Oh my god! Yeah, that... mind you, that the Leafs and the Bruins are two top teams, and no yeah. offense to the LA Kings, you weren't a top team this year. No, and the Vegas Knights were, but the the Bruins Leafs is like the hardest series. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely got to be the like the hardest first round out of everything. Like it's speed and skill against speed and skill. Like it, it's just amazing to watch, though. Oh yeah. All right. Um, again. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Again, please check out Weekend Warriors Adult Hockey Academy at WW Adult Hockey on Twitter. Uh, give them a call at eight one four six seven three two thousand to. Uh, talk about any of the camps that they have uh, throughout the United States this summer. Uh, great people that want to do a great service for um, uh, beer leaguers like myself. Uh, I know Thomas is going, and I'd like to be there too. So we're, it, something's going to be in the works. I'm not sure yet, but go check them out. Uh, find us on all available flat, platforms. Platforms, wow. Uh, podcatchers. Pl- yeah, podcatchers. Uh, and uh, please go to I- Apple 
podcast and uh, rate and give us a comment. We would certainly appreciate that. And to those listeners that. that sent me a flag, thank you very uh, a a, uh, a towel. Thank you very much. Yeah, I heard you got a bunch of them. Yeah, I did. That's just not fair. No one wants to pay the shipping, do they? No, no, no I don't think they do. God damn it. All right, boys. Well, uh, we're, we're going to close the show now. Uh, please, st- everybody, please stay tuned. We do have uh, Josh B dropping in for some prospect talk in the second hour. So, um, thank you guys for joining me today. And hopefully, we can talk about uh, the Bruins moving on. Maybe even a game or two in the second round before we record next next uh, episode. So, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Passion, talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika shorthanded breakaway scores. Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece and it's a 1 0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles and Donato tries to make the pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato. In front, and that's Fred Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to Hey, Bruins fans. As mentioned earlier, uh, Josh B. is back. He's the writer for uh, ShippingUpToCosway.com, uh, and he's uh, a regular here on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Uh the prospect guru, Josh, how are you? Good, how are you today, Mark? I'm doing good. You can also follow Josh at 2Causeway on Twitter. Fantastic follow, highly recommend. Um, good, I mean, I, I complained about it a little earlier, but a little hungover today, but I'm, I'm ready to dive right in and talk some hockey, even though my body feels like I need more rest. Oh, I, uh, I definitely know how you feel. The past two nights going to the uh, Pete Bruins has been a... Uh emotional roller coaster and a roller coaster for my liver as well so <laughs> i i can sympathize maybe to a lesser degree than you but i can definitely sympathize well that's a great segue of lesser degrees um we're going to start in the east coast hockey league with the 2018 kelly cup playoffs um the atlanta gladiators uh, d- did not really show up in this series at all against the florida everblades um, the far superior team um, in the league, uh, and they they just trucked over Atlanta, uh, sweeping them four to nothing. So, um, really quick, uh, Dan Bladard, I really can't say he didn't have a great series. I mean, ultimately there was no win, so you can categorize that as in um, crap, actually. But. Uh, he went 0-3, he had a 3.10 goals against average and a 9.17 save percentage, and he allowed nine goals in three games. So uh, it's just tough. I really, really can't um, 
I can't get down on him because of the. I mean, I'm I'm very happy that the Atlanta Gladiators made the made the playoffs. Period, because they were they were on the edge of of missing out, but they came together and got the necessary points to get themselves in, and and they just happened to draw a team that rolled over them ten times in the regular season. So, uh, if you if you go for the whole year, you can add that up to 14 games this 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 hockey year. Uh, that the uh, Atlanta Gladiators could not beat the uh, the heavily favored uh, Florida Everblades. So, unfortunately, Atlanta goes home, um, and uh, it's probably going to be uh, Vladar up in Providence soon uh, for the remaining uh, uh, Calder Cup playoff schedule. Uh, he's not going to get any games. We we pretty much know it's going to be a a back and forth with Zane McIntyre and um, and Jordan Bennington, so um, it just sucks. But you got to look forward to having him in the in the American Hockey League next season. And I mean, to those who are kind of worried about maybe his development, he's a goalie. He's not able to play like a forward, and he's not able to play like a defenseman. His job is in the net, and even as a goal, even if he was. Even if you you need to have a defense and a forward group in front of you, that'll help to stem some of the higher percentage shots. And I think that, unfortunately, the Atlantic Gladiators couldn't do that, especially against a, a team that had the kind of success that they did against them in the regular season. So uh, I'm really not concerned about Vladar, and I'm actually excited to see him up because... Uh, historically, if you look at his AHL numbers, Vladar has been very good with the Providence Bruins, having a much higher winning percentage, uh, better um, goalie stats percentages. So number crunchers will be happy to see that. And if you just watch him, he looks so much more calm and collected than, you know, frantic. And he seems to play better at a higher level than he does at a lower level. So it's good for him to get the exposure that he has down with uh, the Atlantic team. But... Uh, yeah, like you said, it's a good thing that he'll be up with Providence now. Hopefully, maybe he'll get a game or two in if Providence can get out of this first round, but we'll cover that in a little while. But yeah, so um, good on Fadar. I mean, he had a good season, no doubt about that. Yeah, and, and like like we've said in, in several previous podcasts, I mean, it, it, the wins and losses is more or less for confidence um, and and he's got it. I mean, regardless of his his um, under five hundred regular season, and and these playoffs. I mean, he's he's he is the type of goaltender, in my opinion, and an unprofessional opinion at that. That uh, he can be trained and, and groomed into a starting role in the National Hockey League. So he's got, and that's that's a ways away. I'm not saying this is going to happen in the next year or two, but you know, it's just the how the Bruins developed at goaltenders, especially. And he's definitely going to be in the mix along with Swayman, Kieser, and um, wh- and wh- whatever happens with McIntyre. But um, the development is key in this role in the East Coast Hockey League. He got a lot of games. He got a lot of shots. And that's what you need to do in a league like that. You need to work on key attributes at that level. And then you rise to the occasion when you get uh, brought up to the American Hockey League. And like you said, uh, his numbers are, in- are indicative of of the people in front of him, the structure in front of him, and I've always said that when he's when he's up and he gets the opportunity to to uh, get a game or two uh, in his recalls, 
and he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal, uh, and and it just shows that how his confidence is boosted by just the presence in front of him and the and the and the level up, you know. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing him and at at development camp, at training camp, and then. Um, and and with the Providence Bruins next season because it's Absolutely. obvious it's obvious that Jordan Bennington is <clears throat> not going to be around. The uh, St. Louis Blues will have a an American Hockey League affiliate um, in San Antonio, while the Colorado Eagles uh, will be the uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, um, American Hockey League affiliate. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, um, just because. Bennington's been in Providence for a while. I think he's going to push for a an NHL backup job because he's got he's got it. Yeah, he absolutely I'm... has it. He's got the poise. He's got the. Uh, you can just see he's like he's nearing the end of his development in a sense that he can he can no longer get out of the AHL level what he needs to to develop even further. Like he's gonna he's about to hit that plateau, and I think it's ready for. And I think it's time for him to get a shot at the NHL level. But that's kind of an aside note just because uh he's part of another systems prospects but um yeah i i honestly hope to see him at the nhl level next year i i think it's i think his nhl time and this is jordan Bennington we're talking about um will will ultimately come down to what are they going to do with goaltender andrew hammond i mean obviously they have mm-hmm. Simeon Valarmov as a as a ongoing starter and i'm i'm just saying that just cuz just looking at you know the roster, and if Andrew Hammond signs, and that's kind of a tough, a tough place for Bennington to go. But if he doesn't sign, he's definitely a viable option uh, at, at that role. So um, he doesn't have many games in the NHL. I'm not sure if he even has one, but I, I might be definitely wrong on that. But um, regardless, you know he's done a super, superior job uh, with the Providence Bruins and continues in these playoffs and. You know, jumping right into the playoffs, uh, the Calder Cup 2018 Calder Cup playoffs are um, fully involved. Uh, the Providence Bruins, since the, <laughs> since the last time we talked, they have uh, they just started, and they started on Friday night, and they drew uh, a heavily favored, in my opinion, um, and in the uh, in the regular season standings, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, the uh, affiliate of the Philadelphia Flyers. So, um. It, I I didn't go into this series at all totally optimistic. I just, you just didn't know what team was going to show up and and what team wasn't. So um, obviously on Friday night, um, Lehigh showed up and uh, it got the W in regulation. Um, to add to that, real quick, uh, I think I think Providence really showed up for maybe the first twenty twenty five minutes and then things started turning around because I don't know Providence just seemed to come out with a a, ve- a good jump in their step and it was a it was refreshing to see like they really kind of took command of uh the the pace of the game they dictated the flow of the game uh you might have seen on my twitter how I was commenting about the two man forecheck was absolutely eating Lehigh Valley alive and you I think the problem really was kind of net i think mcintyre just had a very bad night which then his team around him started to lose confidence they also started to take a few more dumb penalties and it 
and they weren't really able to convert. They had a total of seven power play opportunities, and they were only able to convert on one of them, which that's not enough to get you past uh, the second team in the entire AHL standings in the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So there was a number of factors that really sunk uh, Providence on Friday night. It was kind of a discipline net, but I think they really had a good start. They just didn't have, they didn't play the full 60 minute effort. Yeah, and the uh, the Bruins goals in this game, though only two, but uh, came in the first period with uh, Ryan Fitzgerald uh, scoring his first of the 2018 uh, Calder Cup playoffs uh, from Zarnik and Cross on the power play at 17:38, and then uh, uh, Fitzgerald gets the other and uh, his second goal of the game in the second period from uh, Zarnik and Swartz at the 3:35 mark. And that was it for the Bruins' uh, goal scoring. Uh, shots on goal with Lehigh Valley 24, Providence 41. And and that is a huge number. And there's a lot of opportunities that I thought that the Providence Bruins could have capitalized on. Especially one, did you see that open net that, uh, what's his name, missed? Oh, yeah. I, uh. I don't remember who it was now because I'm tongue-tied, but... I mean, yep. <laughs> it was a yawning, yawning net, and he just flat out missed it. And thankfully, the next night, um, the one of the Lehigh guys missed a wide open net as well. So evened it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was some. Uh, there's definitely been some bad puck luck on both sides of the ice. Thankfully, but yeah, that was that was bad. Yeah. And you're right. They had a lot of chances to tie it up, but. It seemed like a lot of those 41 shots, because they never actually trailed in shots, they just kept firing it on net. And it seemed like a lot of those shots were low percentage, low danger shots from, you know, if you think of the slot area as kind of like a home base shape stemming out from the goalie, it's kind of like a weird pentagon looking thing. Mm -hmm. Most of them were for out, from outside of that pentagon and kind of the, you know, the tops of the circles or by the blue line or down below the goal line where there was it was it would be really sharp angle shot so it was the the shot volume was there but the shot quality didn't seem to be there except for the rare times that it was and then you had the bad puck luck kind of working against you and everybody started to grip their sticks a little tighter you take a pile of penalties and all you and then alex lyon stands as a brick wall in the phantom's net and yeah he was it, unbelievable that night Yep. Um, I think Providence was the better team, but Lyon was the better goaltender by a long shot. Oh, yeah. And um, Zane McIntyre takes a loss, stopping uh, 21-24. Um, yeah, and Alex Lyon, just, just 39 save effort. Um, really uh, good that night. Shots. Yeah, yeah, that one, was... one, number, one number that I'm really disappointed at, and I'm not trying to be a jerk here at all, but... Um, Maybe maybe I am, and maybe I'm just trying to state a point. But the the attendance, I, I I'm looking at this number of four thousand four hundred and eighteen. Yeah. Now this is a Calder Cup playoffs. This is, I mean, this it, the goal is to get this team into the Calder Cup finals and 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 challenge for a, a Calder Cup that they haven't seen since. You know the beginning of the 2000s or 1999, and and then you look at the Star Wars weekend. The Star Wars weekend, the back-to-back -back games, they brought in nine over nine thousand per game for Star Wars. 
I don't understand this whole thing. <laughs> yep. You know, it's just, it just, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, as everybody knows, but I, I don't understand. This is playoff hockey. This is your season, your year is about to end. These, these are the games that you want to go there. You want to root on your team. There's nothing else going on. I mean, this, it just baffles me sometimes when I look at numbers like that. Yeah, I mean, the only th- good thing about that was there was literally no lines for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very easy to get concessions and uh, run to the bathroom if I had to. Absolutely, and I, I remember the days <laughs> I remember the days up in Providence when I was a season ticket holder. I mean, that place had moments of, of sellouts and, well, not sellouts, but, you know, 5,000, 6,000 fans. And, um, but I do remember the days that there was hardly anybody in there and, and it was so easy to, to get out of your seat and do what you got to do and get right back with, in no time. So yeah. <laughs> there are the benefits, but you know, you I mean, still, yeah, you're right. You still want to see you your team. Somebody, you want to see, yeah, you want to see support for the team because ha- I remember a uh, Friday night, <clears throat> there were people, there was a huge contingent of people from High Valley who traveled out and they got a pretty solid Let's Go Phantoms chant going yeah. in our house. I was like, what? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> Guys, come on. Yeah, right. Get loud and proud. Yeah, um, exactly. And apologies to everybody for my voice today. I've been screaming the past two nights at the top of my lungs to uh, refs and uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms alike. So uh, <laughs> pardon my voice today. Yeah, I've been uh, doing a lot of chirping from my season to older seat. So bear <laughs> well, with me today. Well, things, things definitely got better uh, the next night, which was last night, April 21st, uh, again at the dunk. Uh, this time, the Providence Bruins walk away with a 5-3 to victory. Uh, first period goal from Anton Bleed from Zach Sinishin at 2.07. Uh, Providence, uh, Peter Solarek uh, got his first from Agostino and Paul Postma at 5.08. Uh, there was no Bruins goals in the second period. Uh, jumping to the third period, Providence Jordan Swartz gets his first from Zarnik. And at the 19-second mark of the third period, which was a shorthanded goal, pretty goal, if I may add. Very much so. Uh, and then Providence, Peter Solaric gets his second from Frederick and Postma and the power play at 11.35. And the last goal came with the empty net in the third period. Uh, from Jakob Vosbacher Carlson gets his first from Zarnik at 1827. Uh, shots on goal for the Providence Bruins were 36, Lehigh Valley 26. Power play opportunities were one for three for the Baby Bees. And Jordan Bennington gets the win, stopping 23 of 26 shots. And again, again, it's a Saturday night, and this, this, this crowd uh, was a little better than uh, Friday night's. Tally. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it. What was the in its last night? Probably in the six thousands. No, four thousand five hundred and eighty-three, uh, which looks like a difference of a hundred fans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yikes. So <laughs> I, I, I don't like. I don't know. I mean, are are fans just thinking that the 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 heavily favored Lehigh Valley Phantoms were going to truck over these guys or I mean that's kind of like what I'm what I'm getting it no it, it actually this is what happens during the playoffs unfortunately for whatever reason 
the attendance drops off like a rock. And I think it's actually a little bit more um, maybe the fault of the team rather than the fans. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. So don't worry. I'm not going to, I'm not like, I'm not just stating things here, but during the season, it seems like they have a lot of school groups. They have all the kids who usually do the like intermission mini, like, you know, throw a crap to kids on the ice and make them go at each other before the Zamboni's clear. So I think you're missing those groups. You're also missing the groups of kids who sing the national anthem, the uh, and two other songs that they sing before the puck drops. So I'm pretty sure that it's a little bit more manufactured. Like some of the attendance during the regular season is manufactured because you have a solid least- schedule. Yeah, exactly. You have another five groups that you that you plan for each time. So during the playoffs, uh, Providence uses a pre-recorded national anthem. There's no kids. There's no kids out on the ice doing their little games in the intermission period. So it's mostly people who are just A, season ticket holders, and B, who know that there's a hockey game on. And I think another problem is that the team itself is not advertising the Calder Cup playoffs as well as it should be. So people kind of know that during the regular season, there's going to be a game on. But once the playoffs hit, I think that that everybody kind of gets amnesia that, oh, we are getting to the playoffs now. Like there's going to be more games. So it might be a combination of any one of those facts. Huh. That's interesting. And thanks for dropping that. (laughs) I mean, it's just speculation on myself and my wife's part. She's kind of got like a, she's, She's been going a little bit longer than me, actually, just because she lived in uh, around the Providence area for a while. So she's kind of had time to figure all of these little tidbits of information out. So nice tip of the cap to my wife. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the Providence Bruins, this is a best of five um, series. So the Providence Bruins get back on the ice on February 27th against Lehigh Valley. Now, Here's how the scheduling goes, and it's. I think we dived into it last last one, but we didn't know exactly who we were playing when we recorded last Sunday. But mm-hmm. the the obviously Lehigh is 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 ranked number one in the Atlantic, so they have the um, the top seed. So with that being said, is they have home ice pretty much throughout, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, exactly. In the best of five, they went. Two, the first two games at Providence, and now the next three are going to be at Lehigh Valley. So this is not going to be an easy test. And not only is this series going to be easy for the Providence Bruins because of how well, and, and from the goal, the defense to your forwards, how well-structured Scott Gordon has that. Former Providence Bruins coach uh, Scott Gordon uh, has this team, and he orchestrates. Um, he's got, I mean... Pretty much, the the Philadelphia Flyers have the second to third best prospect uh, pool in the National Hockey League, and and Boston's right up there too. So you're seeing two great prospect teams uh, going at it. So, and and obviously, I got to give the hand to Lehigh. I love the Providence Bruins to death, but it's just the way that they played and over the regular season and really proved that they wanted that number one spot. Um, so it's not going to be easy. Uh, going into Lehigh Valley, they're going to have their fan support in Allentown, uh, which they always do. When I watch on AHL Live, that place is not packed, but there's a really, really good crowd. And 
And in playoff hockey in Pennsylvania, you're probably going to get a lot more fans than uh, a normal regular season. Oh, absolutely, especially um, with the presentation that they do. I know that we talk about this a lot, but hat tip to the uh, Lehigh Valley fandoms. They not only have a great presentation on AHL Live, but they also do they they also broadcast it on live TV in that area and there's uh, there's an actual market for it so i'm very impressed with not only the uh ahl live presentation the tv broadcast but it seems like their arena is also well done in terms of the uh pr- the game presentation and all that it seems like they're really not only does the high valley prepare their prospects on the ice but they also seem to prepare them off the ice as well it seems like it's a very well-rounded experience where they're kind of exposed to everything that they will at the next level yeah and and as of right now i mean you're going down to lehigh um you know if if this province bruins team can get two games out of out of this you know they, they could definitely make a series and move on to the second round <clears throat> so as i was talking about with somebody last night uh they uh patrick williams who's on um who does a lot of writing for the NHL and the AHL, the uh, Winnipeg Jets, he was saying that the sky's the limit once Providence passes uh, Lehigh Valley because I'm really not worried about the Toronto Marlies. I think given that the club in Toronto is playing as well as um, obviously Boston is, but I believe that a lot of the uh, high, like the real firepower is up with the Mar- with the uh, Maple Leafs right now. So I could see if we face them in the next round, I could definitely see the Bruins, Bruins making it a series. It's not going to be a cakewalk, but I could see them probably making it out of that one. The next, the next thing that I'm worried about really after this is the Syracuse crunch because historically the crunch have had the Bruins number for whatever reason, just like the, the real Bruins have had the Tampa Bay Lightning's number for the past few years. It's really ironic how the two of those have switched around. You know what I think is funny about this whole thing? And if the Bruins make the second round playoffs and they happen to do match up against the Toronto Marlies, what? I, I think it's going to be hilarious. And I'm going to, I'm going to troll him so bad too, uh, is Steve Dangle and how he's going to be feeling. I listened to the Steve Dangle podcast with uh, Jesse Blake and Adam Wilde. Those guys do a fantastic job. And even though it's not a Bruins, I love hockey podcasts, and and I listen yeah, to like I listen to probably about ninety of them during my work week. So, um, <laughs> so if the Bruins can pull out a victory uh, in this series in the, at the NHL uh, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs round one, and the Providence Bruins beat the Toronto Marlies, I'm just going to be all oh, over yeah, him for that. That would <laughs> be good. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it you know, would be really good. Toronto's no slouch either. They have a um, uh, they have a really good coaching staff. They got a really good cast of characters uh, on uh, up and down that bench, um, and uh, and and run by Sheldon Keefe, which was uh, um, the Sault Ste. Marie's uh, uh, Greyhounds coach, while Zach Senishin was um, was uh, in the OHL. So. Uh, yeah, oh, that's an interesting matchup right there. Yeah, I mean he's a good coach, and, and, and believe it or not, I mean he's getting a lot of speculation of uh, NHL, NHL talks about you know if somebody needs a job, he might be one to contact. So, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's good for him. Yeah. Um, let let me uh let me quickly talk about some of the goals from last night because they were it. pretty good ones. Go yeah, I it. mean, 
just being there it was a really it was a it was, <laughs> last night was the most emo, like emotional of roller coasters because it was great providence jumps out to that two nothing lead in the first period and it's and it seemed like the goals were coming at such a high like a quick clip for the bruins it was like you could make this a, a blowout real fast so bleed from seneshin was real good uh i remember the chalaric one was um the first chalaric goal it was that that passing play was perfect absolutely perfect i remember just watching kenny agostino from paul postma and they just worked it around the net it was amazing. But really, the Chilarical that I want to talk about was the one on the power play. I don't know if you really were able to see this last night watching AHL Live, Mark, but Peter Chilaric absolutely picks the corner. Like, the this the, the window of space must have been about the size of an index card. And Peter Chilaric just banks it in right off Alex Lyon for the power play goal. And I, I was looking at that. I was shocked. I think I had to close my jaw off the floor because I was just like... Where did he slip it in? Because Alex Lyon's no small kid. I mean, Alex Lyon's pretty big for a goaltender, and he covered a lot of the net. And amazingly, Chilaric just snuck it right through. And then the other one that was amazing to watch was uh, Swarz and Zarnik on the penalty kill. They were not only hounding the Lehigh Valley power play, as Lehigh Valley has done to them in previous games, but it was it was just... It was so sweet because there's another two-on-one that the both of them had fanned on earlier in the game. So to make it count now when they were on the penalty kill, it was it was good. It was kind of vindicating some of the earlier work that they had done where Lehigh had defended that two-on-one. And it was it was great. I mean, Zarnik carries it in, and he just knows where Swartz is going to be. And I don't think Swartz could have made an, like a more perfect shot. And that's kind of why I think Swartz has been retained by the Bruins for as long as they have. Because he's not only a great mentor, but he's a great AHL guy, too. And he just... He can win you games at the AHL level if, if you really need him to. I mean, this he's, he's a... He's such a great guy, and he's so versatile, too, because he plays center and wing effortlessly. But it was good. Last night, was it was good to also see uh, Trent Frederick get back in the lineup because he had the, um, a bit of a mysterious upper-body injury. So it was good to see him shed the no-contact jersey and get right back in the lineup. We also saw um, recent signing Carson Kuhlman get in last yeah, night. We didn't talk about him last week. I, I, kind, of, I kind of got pissed when i when we, when we ended the uh prospect talk with and i was i went downstairs to grab something to eat and i was like oh, damn we forgot to talk about him uh, all right well take it away please oh i don't know nothing about him <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i do know he won a national championships with with i believe it was north dakota yeah i think he's like any of these kids coming out of the developmental leagues it seems like he's it's gonna take a few games for him to come up to speed on where the on how the professional game goes but he doesn't look like he's lost out there he's good he needs the exposure he needs time to kind of work with uh his different line mates and figure out how he fits into the system as a whole but uh he does he he seems fine i mean let me see what line he was put on last night uh going on uh what mark diver said but i mean if i'm not saying anything bad about him it kind of gives you a sense that he's, you know, if, if he's not making mistakes, he's going to be doing okay. Right. I'm, I'm curious about the role he's going to play next year. 
Uh, because if I'm not mistaken, he signed a a, a NHL contract, um, which means I think it was an entry level deal. Yeah, an entry level seven hundred fifty thousand for two years, and it's a two way deal. Oh, okay, two way. All right, all right. Yep, two way with the Boston Bruins that begins next season, and this year he's or yeah for the remainder of this season he is on an ATO. Yeah which is allowing him to play with Providence. So, yeah, at the um, – yeah, so he's it, – it'll be interesting to see, you're right, how he develops. I could see him doing a, a bottom six role. I, I'm not sure that his – you know, how we talk about the toolbox from time to time. I don't think his toolbox allows him to go much beyond line three, though he might turn into kind of a Dominic Moore type player where you could just plug him just about anywhere you need to for a game or two. Yeah. And then, uh, it, I mean, it, it's going to take some time to kind of figure out where you're right. He slots in, but I, he's going to be a utility guy. He's not going to be somebody that you're going to form a franchise around. I don't think, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's a lot better than the both of us think, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be a utility guy. What I saw, from, uh, I haven't seen any games, I mean, except for what he's played for uh, with the Providence Bruins, but um, I haven't seen any of his uh, college games, but uh, his his skills are there. I mean, and that, and that was on display at last uh, last summer's development camp when, when he was an invite. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So, and it looks and it looks like last night he would, he dressed for warmups, but he did not actually slot in the lineup if I'm reading this all correctly. Although uh Chris Porter took an injury last night, I would not be surprised to see Coolman start playing in on the road in Pennsylvania. Possibly. Right. I mean that, that remains to be seen. Yeah, and, and the kid the kid does have a uh he's got NHL speed and and, and a, a nice release, but he's just gotta put all those uh all those attributes together. Um I'm not even sure if he'll I mean, he he could challenge. I mean, I think it's about organizational familiarity. You know what I mean? And and he doesn't have a, a ton of exposure in in this Bruins organization. So I think by the events over the summer, by a development camp and, and a rookie mm-hmm. camp, he'll get a little more um, uh, used to uh, his surroundings. And 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 it could possibly you know be a guy that could push a veteran um, on this NHL Bruins squad. Uh, over the summer and or, or the or the the training camp events, um, which is going to be interesting because if you think about that, he's not the only one that's going to be pushing. There's definitely people above him in the depth pool that are going to get uh, better chances. I, I you know, um, but uh, I I think he's going to be all right. I I want to get I want to be able to watch more, you know. So, um. I think that's going to do it for us. That's, that's kind of a short one, unless you've got something else you want to talk about. I mean, I could talk a little bit more about the two games over the weekend, but you retweet a lot of my um, game just kind of stories and summaries. In fact, I could get working on that because it was uh, slacking last night. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll include most of my thoughts, kind of what went right and what went wrong from there. So, uh, yeah, I'll leave that to my uh, posting, and uh, if you guys want to kind of take a a read on that that'd be awesome you can figure out exactly how the baby bees are doing i'm trying to keep the uh playoff game write-ups short sweet and to the point for everybody so yeah i think that's gonna do it yeah 
Yeah, and definitely um, look out on Twitter at Two Causeway for Josh's um, articles. He does a great job, and he's also a fantastic guest on this program. Um, and I look forward to talk to you more. Hopefully, these uh, baby bees can stay with it. We'll definitely talk next week. Um, exactly. If not, to kind of wrap up everything that's gone on yep. throughout the season, and just kind of like a an uh, at-large uh, retrospective on how things went. So yeah, definitely next week we'll probably get in on a little bit longer of a uh, of a show of like a, a prospect hour, and we'll kind of like I said recap everything and. If no, I mean, or we'll be talking more about how they're doing great and how they miraculously went into Allentown and saved their season <laughs> and right. they're moving on to the second round. So either way, yeah, we'll definitely be talking a little bit longer next week. Yeah, definitely. We'll probably just we'll talk as long as the the Providence Bruins are in the playoffs. So hopefully, I'm hoping that's a that's a long um, call the cup run because. Uh, I believe the team is structured that way, but we'll see how they play on in, on the ice because it's um, it's two sides of that coin. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, Josh, thank you very much. Have a great day, and uh, congratulations on the new job tomorrow. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Mark. No uh, hope you rest up today and you're feeling a little bit better. Yeah, I just got to leave the whiskey alone when I'm getting all excited <laughs> when I watch Bruins hockey, so... Was, you know, I'm not I'm not a young whippersnapper anymore. I don't I don't recover very well. But anyway, rest up, Mark. Yeah, we'll be talking. All right, thanks, guys, and uh, uh, take care, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold Two Seven Seven at Court Lalonde and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.